1: It is 1700 hours Central African time right here on Africa Digest on Channel Africa, where we give you news from an African perspective. Hello, my name is Spumele Lezundi, coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. On frequency 9625 kilohertz and the 31 meter band if you're in Southern Africa. We are also online on channelafrica.co.za. Stream us there. Um, with Amanda Machaka, Tracy Pumgat and Nedo Chemane. Your top stories. Zimbabwe faces yet another possibility of a shutdown an opposition alliance involving Malaya's former president unravels. In economic news, the African Development Bank, or ECOWAS, signs an agreement with more than $22 US million for a study into linking a highway between Cote d'Ivoire and Nigeria. And in sports, Banyana Banyana coach Desiree Ellis and forward Tembe Katlan were added to the South African president's guest list for the 2019 State of the Nation address. Amanda Machaka has your news.
2: thank you Spumalele. good evening egypt's parliament is debating a motion to amend the country's constitution a move that could allow president abdel Fattah al-sisi to stay in office beyond his designated maximum two-term limit ending in 2022 The proposed amendments also include uh, the introduction of the role of Vice President and a revived Senate. The motion is nearly certain to be adopted by the legislature, which is pegged with Al-Sisi supporters, but the amendments would also need to be put to a national referendum. Al-Sisi was elected in 2014, a year after leading the military's overthrow of an elected but divisive Islamist president. He was re-elected last year after all potentially serious challenges were jailed or suppressed to leave the race at least 69 municipal councils out of 120 in libya may not hold elections in march due to a lack of funding by the un-backed government libyan authorities allowed municipal elections in 2013 in a bid to end a decades-long legacy of centralization of administration and help communities manage their local affairs But degradation of security conditions after the toppling of long-ruling Muammar Gaddafi and irregular funding hindered the process. Holding elections to renew the municipal councils requires at least 36 million U.S. dollars According to Salem Bentahia, head of the Central Committee for Municipal Council's elections, he says for now the committee has only received 30% of that budget. Constituency registration has been reopened with more than 800,000 voters on the list. A debate on whether Lesotho should be merged with South Africa rages on. Basotho nationals living in the free state have indicated that the merger will end the challenges they encounter in South Africa. They are also concerned about the problems they experience when crossing the border into South Africa. In 2016, the free movement of Basutu wanted Lesotho to be incorporated into South Africa. According to them, the majority of Basutu regard themselves as South African citizens. Lesotho Deputy Home Affairs Minister Machiseta Mafumube has refuted these claims, saying many Basutu nationals are happy to be independent. Ethiopian Prime Minister I.B. Ahmed has urged the ruling coalition to accept opposition criticism as part of a nation-boldened campaign. He was speaking during a question-and-answer session with members of parliament. Ahmed said many political parties, some 20 of them, who had been unable to engage in any political activity in the last 15 to 30 years have returned home from all over the world, stamping this as a major victory of the country's parliament. Since last year, the Prime Minister has carried out a series of reforms, including the reintegration of exiled opposition leaders, separatist groups and the release of prisoners. And two people have died during severe flooding in the Australian coastal city of Townsville. Thousands of homes have been affected and hundreds of people have been moved to evacuation centres as more heavy rains have been focused. Last month, the country experienced an extreme heatwave, temperatures up to and sometimes above 40 degrees Celsius. This resident says there is concern over the increasingly extreme weather conditions.
3: There's a good deal of head scratching around, well, well, where is this headed? Inevitably, you know, here, even a month ago, we had record screaming temperatures with um, bats falling out of the sky, literally, Um, and we've got Tasmania on fire. You know, we're kind of thinking, you know, this is a serious time.
2: For Channel African News, I'm Amanda Machaka.
1: It is 1705 Central African Time right here on Africa Digest where we give you news from an African perspective. Thank you very much Amanda for that news update. Let's start in Zimbabwe where another shutdown owing to some strikes is imminent following calls by teachers to have their salaries paid in American dollars. Teachers, who constitutes the bulk of the government workers, announced that their strike was starting Tuesday the 5th of February. Meanwhile government has expressed concern over the industrial action as chances of this Becoming a widespread protest are very high. Last month, the government was forced to shut down internet when a fuel protest turned violent, leading to the death of more than twelve people, seventy-eight were injured, and one thousand arrested. Simon Muchema is in Harare.
4: As Zimbabwe teachers down tools owing to numerous unaddressed grievances, tension is mounting a citizens fear of another shutdown. Last month, a shutdown that lasted three days resulted in the death of more than 12 people, a hundred injured, and more than a thousand arrested. The few protests were characterized by thuggery, leading to the destruction of property worth millions of American dollars. In response, government unleashed a crackdown that left millions traumatized. Meanwhile, teachers who constitute the bulk of government workers in Zimbabwe are complaining that their wages have been reduced to peanuts. Richard Gundani, president of the Zimbabwe Teachers Association, explained... Teachers complain they are no longer able to board buses to work daily, yet their salaries have not been reviewed amid an economic turmoil, Gundan explained. The teacher's strike is expected to extend to other sectors of the economy if government drags its feet. Already, even the teacher's grievances are not addressed, but bread prices has gone up by at least 70%. To some, the recent bread price increase is an indication of what is likely coming in the few coming weeks when the 2019 monetary policy is presented. President of the Zimbabwe Retailers Association, Denford Mutashu, had this to say concerning bread prices. In other sectors, signs of a struggling economy are visible, with government now resorting to reducing working days for nurses and doctors. Health professionals complain their salaries can no longer sustain them, Secretary General of the Zimbabwe Nurses Association, Inok Dongo, explained. In Arari, Zimbabwe, Channel Africa, this is Simon Muchemwa.
1: Malawi's former President Joyce Banda and former Vice President Kasima Chilumpa, who partnered in, with incumbent Vice President Saulos Charima in an electoral alliance, have pulled out barely four days after they signed the pact. This was confirmed when she presented presidential nomination papers on Tuesday in Blantyre. Here's Judge Mohango.
5: Last week, the former president, Joyce Banda, was in the media indicating that she would support Chilima in the May 21 pause. She declared that Chilima has the energy and qualities of transforming Malawi.
0: For me, I have no problem at all. Honorable Salos Klaus Chilima is a very young, able gentleman. And he can lead this nation. And he has already been vice president. And he has been in the private sector for many years. So I have no doubt whatsoever that if we win, he can be a capable head of state. I'm not going to be vice president. I've been running mate and vice president before, and president, I mean, (laughs) I can't go back.
5: But Tuesday afternoon, Joyce Banda presented her presidential nomination papers, signaling the fact that she will stand in the May 21 tripartite elections under her People's Party PP ticket.
0: In the Republic of Malawi, hereby present my nomination papers, to the Malawi Electoral Commission, I do hereby declare my intention and desire to contest the said election of President of the Republic of
6: Malawi.
5: This means that she has indeed pulled out of the electoral alliance with Malawi's incumbent Vice President Saulo Chilima. Chilima resigned from the ruling Democratic Progressive Party, DPP, and formed his United Transformation Movement, UTM. This is the second time that Banda would be vying for the presidency position on her People's Party ticket. The first time was in 2014. Banda, the first female president for Malawi, was accompanied by her supporters and running mate, Jerry Jana. Jana is a seasoned economist. Her speech hinted on youth, women economic empowerment, food security, energy, environment, among others.
0: And so, therefore, I know the challenges that women face as they try to seek or participate in leadership on the continent of Africa and in Malawi as well. I've been privileged to that as Minister of women and children I was able to champion the passing of the domestic violence bill. Distinguished ladies and gentlemen, so, as, as president of the country, fast forward, what I call phase one, when I go around the, the country, we we're able to register six point three percent growth while implementing the recovery the economic recovery plan.
5: During the day the Malawi Electoral Commission, MEC also received nomination papers from Peter Kuwani of Mbakuaku Movement for Development MMD, who registered his party last year, he is contesting the presidential position for the first time. He said he will transform sectors of health business, economy, champion eco-distribution of resources and create jobs.
0: Each one of us should extend the Olive branch to people living in, to peace-living Malawians who share and embrace ideologies of creating business and employment opportunities as opposed to grabbing existing employment and suffocating political business prospects of the benefit for the benefit of political salaries and capital angels
5: incumbent vice president Chilima is due to present his presidential nomination papers Wednesday but he has kept to his chest the name of his running mate former vice president chilumpa who was supposed to present his papers on Monday has asked the commission to set another day for him George Mohango channel Africa Blantyre.
3: the globe every second there's always a breaking story
7: Kultranjoy for Channel Africa Radio in Ethiopia's capital Addis Ababa
3: Reporting
0: for Channel Africa I am Hilda loa in Zambia
3: Our cutting edge and hard hitting journalism leaves no stone unturned giving you the whole picture every time George
5: Muhango Channel Africa Blantyre Reporting for Channel Africa this is Moki Kinzaka in Yaoundi. From an African perspective,
4: listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi,
3: Portuguese and Chinyanja. Informing the world about Africa.
2: In
3: in Lesotho. Join us every day and know what is happening around you. Channel Africa.
1: It is 1716 Central African Time right here on Africa Digest on Channel Africa as we continue to give you news from an African perspective. Now, South African motorists will from midnight pay seven cents more for a price of 93 and 95 unleaded petrol, while diesel users will pay between one or two cents a litre. The Department of Energy says this is due to high international oil prices. That's one or two cents a litre more. The rand improved against the U.S. dollar during the period under review, softening the impact of the higher oil prices. More from Chief Economist at Econometrics, Dr. Azhar Jameen.
8: I don't think one must uh, be in any way alarmed by these hikes. They're very, very small in the broader scheme of things. When you bear in mind that uh, the price of petrol cumulatively it went down by three rand nine in uh, December and January Rand nine a litre. and now we're getting an increase in the price of petrol of less than ten cents per litre. Uh, it really it pales into insignificance. And don't forget the price of diesel is actually coming down.
2: Yeah, yeah. Now with the current uh, uh, trend of course, and as you say that uh, it is um, a quite a, a small um, increase that we're going to see, but uh, should we be expecting more hikes?
8: Um, I think a lot will... At this stage it's unclear whether we should expect more hikes. In recent days the RAND has strengthened but oil prices have risen. So uh, we're still in a situation where uh, we can't be sure whether next month we'll see an increase or a decrease in the price. Um, internationally, oil prices have risen because there are growing signs that uh, some of the producers, especially in OPEC, might actually hold back on output in order to try and push the price a little higher. But um, you know, I don't know to what extent that will be successful.
2: Uh, and uh, um, for those who are just none the wiser, uh, um, can you just uh, break down a little for us uh, as to uh, some of the uh, contributing factors um, uh, to these um, you know, fluctuating uh, uh, prices for oil? Um, I know that uh, the current global economic challenges also may play a role to some of uh, uh, these changes that we'll see.
8: A lot depends on also how deep the slowdown in the world economy might turn out to be over the Mm. next uh, uh, year or so. The potential slowdown, if it's very pronounced, will obviously cause oil prices to retreat, which is good for... But on the other side, there are those who might suggest that it will cause the rand to weaken because of potentially new risk aversion towards emerging markets. So even there, it's not at all clear uh, into which direction which direction the rent price of crude oil will follow in coming
6: months
5: etise mingabo baoni kedu mbote bonsoir Join me, Richard Mwamba, for a music show on Channel Africa called Africa in Song, every Saturday and Sunday from 18 to 20 hours Central African Time. Africa in Song, Saturday and Sunday from 18 to 20 hours Central African Time.
1: Now, the South African Independent Electoral Commission has indicated that the national elections will take place in May. Addressing a press conference, IEC Chairperson Glenn Mashinini said the official date will be confirmed by President Cyril Ramaphosa. To help us analyze the situation, we spoke to Grant Masterson, Senior Manager of Electoral Institute for Sustainable Democracy in Africa, and Zora Derwood, Director of the Centre for Unity and Diversity.
9: There's a lot of news items uh, in, the, in the news cycle about uh, corruption, the Zondo Commission, m- many commissions that have been instituted. And that's actually the stuff of governance. Uh, and yet it seems to be be running in parallel to parties making promises, yeah. uh, trying to draw uh, f- the stories running from those commissions of inquiry and bringing them into this is why you shouldn't vote for this party. This is why mm-hmm. you should vote for us. It's been a very robust um, exchange in the in the public domain. And I think um, a lot of people who I'm speaking to are saying, "Yo, oh, it's it's crazy <laughs> this time. It's really been there's so much uh, to pay attention to, so yeah. many astonishing stories, uh, and the parties are picking up and playing off on them and trying mm. to gain advantage. So very robust campaigning. So what
10: also has been standing out is really the tensions within political parties. We've seen this in the uh, African National Congress in itself, especially what you're highlighting as names have been coming out in the State Commission, Dithomboweni so and. Ramaphosa at the World Economic Forum uh, dissing uh, Jacob Zuma the former president and after that you're just seeing a defense from a certain faction within the African National Congress that shows certain signs during the season that things are not as usual there's not real that, that real unity within the African National Congress that has been put in the public domain as we've seen in previous years.
9: This is not an unusual thing uh, for Mm -hmm. most parties. Uh, The the, the, the nature of our electoral system itself is is partly to blame for this, because it's a list based system. And Mm -hmm. so the higher up your name appears on the list, the more likely you are to get a seat in Parliament or to be elected into a particular position. And so in the lead-up to the finalization of party lists, you do. You have intra-party contestation mm-hmm. and then you have the formation of factions, the formation of uh, interest groups and not just in the ANC. You see yeah. this in several of the parties. Yeah. Uh, I think you mentioned the DA as well. Yeah. Uh, but you know most of the parties are looking very closely at their lists and perhaps if some of the smaller parties are keeping the internal contests uh, you know, under wraps, certainly all of the parties there are people who are jockeying for position to be on those lists and the higher up on those lists, the better. Zora, let me bring you into this discussion. What what are
10: your thoughts? What's sticking out for you right now? Because as was highlighted by Grant, that this seems like a different type of campaign trail. Things are very contentious this time around. There's a lot of issues to actually collate as an ordinary citizen as you look at things and and unpacking themselves.
11: I agree. But I think what we mustn't miss is there's been a series of conversations, legislative, parliamentary, that are really the, the key, it's going to ignite the nature of electoral politics in the next couple of months. And those have been, if you think about the proposed amendments to Section 25, for right. example, the land issue, the expropriation bill that is a significant and probably one of the most important issues emerging the other is obviously corruption and the nexus between corruption and party politics so Mm. inter and intra-party politics Mm. you know with the efs forgetting for a while that they have been seriously implicated in the VBS scandal, Mm. the ANC, you know, with the Watsons and the Guptas, and Mm. it goes on and on with the SOEs as well. So I think that's going to be the nature of the game in the next couple of months. It's already started. The danger for me is holding parliamentary politics hostage to electoral politics, and Mm. that's exactly what we've witnessed That's the key issue. Now, I don't take the view that the electorate is not discerning. On the contrary, I think we have a very discerning electorate in South Africa. And Mm -hmm. how people choose to join the dots and use that knowledge and information analysis to vote is going to be incredibly compelling because all of the commissions are not taking any prisoners in what is being disclosed, and people are digesting all of that, and presumably people will act on that information.
1: Zora Derwood, who is the Director for the Centre for Unity and Diversity. You also heard from Grant Masterson, Senior Manager of, Electro, of the Electoral Institute for Sustainable Democracy in Africa. They were in conversation with my colleague Benjamin Mushadama earlier today. Your time is 1725 Central African Time right here on Africa Digest on Channel Africa as we continue to give you news from an African perspective. Remember that if you prefer to find us on DSTV, we are also there. It's Channel 80 80- Two on the DSTV audio booking. Now many of our activities like banking to chatting to friends happen online. As a result of this we leave a lot of our details on various platforms. There have also been data breaches where details of many individuals have been leaked to third parties. Internationally, Facebook has come under fire on numerous occasions for this. Locally, insurance company Liberty had to do some damage control after they experienced a data breach. To alert people about this, 5 February is dubbed Safer Internet Day. Joining me on the line now is Google's Mish Atagana to talk about Safer Internet Day. Hello and thank you very much for joining me, Mish.
12: Thank you so much for having me, Zondi.
1: Now, what's Safer Internet Day all about?
12: Yeah, so Safer Internet Day is essentially a day that is set aside dedicated for the promotion of safe and positive use of digital technologies in society. And so a bunch of different companies, different uh, groups come together to celebrate um, Safer Internet Day. This year, the theme for Safer Internet Day is Together for a Better Internet. Mm.
1: Um, And uh, do you think people generally know how to keep their details safe online?
12: I, I think that people are fairly aware that they need to be safe online. Whether or not they are actually action in that is a different story. So this year, we we commissioned a survey by an organisation called YouGov around um, Middle East, Europe, and um, and Africa to kind of really understand how people are taking their safety. And a staggering forty three percent of South Africans use the same password for all their for all their all their, all their platforms. So. They will use the same password for their phone, the same for their email, the same for their Facebook, the same for their Twitter. So it's very, very interesting to see just how people don't actually action what they know they should be doing.
1: Mm. Um, So what should they be doing? You just mentioned that uh, people use um, the same password for a lot of sites online.
12: Yeah, they, so they need to really just vary the password. It's absolutely understandable that there's a lot of platforms now these days, and people have to remember a lot of different passwords for different things. So it's quite um, important to just vary that password, not using it exactly the same for all the different platforms, but also doing what we call a security checkup. So if you have a Google account, you can go into your settings and do a security checkup, and it will tell you just how secure your account is and tell you how to improve the security of your account, which is really useful for individuals who, especially people who are sending um, emails about business or just communicating their personal life through their, to their to email.
1: And a lot of companies uh, keep uh, people's data. Google is one of them with uh, a lot of people's data. Um, what should these companies do um, in order to keep them safe, to keep their details safe?
12: Absolutely. So data is very important to Google, and your data is your data. It is private. It is between you and the system. And another thing we also do, encourage people to do, is do a privacy checkup. So what that does, it tells you, what have I allowed Google to to do? What have I allowed Google to say to to me or sell to me? So it's also between you. And Google for Google, it's very, very important for us to make sure that data is very secure and that we are making sure that you are having a very private conversation between you and the device.
1: Mm. Um, and you say it's a private conversation between you and the device, but as the devices get stolen, you've left your details on the device. So what should happen there?
12: As soon as you find that your device is missing, you can easily log into any computer and tell Google that this device has been stolen. Please break it, erase all the content on it. And you can easily do that from any other device as long as you can just quickly log in to your main Google account. If you have an Android phone, you can go to uh, log into your Google account and go to your devices and tell it that this device is no longer active because it's missing or stolen, and you tell it to take away all the data that's on that device. All
1: right. Thanks very much, Mish.
12: Thank you so much for having me.
1: All right. So that's uh, Mish Azekana. Mish is from Google in South Africa.
10: Attention to our listeners. The first hour of Africa Digest will not be broadcast on Channel 802 on the DSTV audio bouquet. The 1700 Hours show will only be found on shortwave and online on www.channelafrica.co.za. Please note that this only applies to the 1700 Hours Central African Time show. The 1900 Hours Central African Time program will be back on all the platforms. Channel Africa, giving you an African perspective.
1: If you want to stream this program, it is uh, channelafrica.co.za online, channelafrica.co.za online. If your preferred method is DSTV, we are also there. It's 802 on the DSTV audio bouquet. Here's Amanda Machaka with the news headlines.
2: Thank you, Spumelele. Good evening. U.S. offers Niger Operations Center to fight Boko Haram. Egypt debates a motion to extend presidential term limits. And Ethiopian Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed urges the ruling coalition to accept opposition criticism as part of a nation-building campaign. Those are news headlines.
1: Thank you very much Amanda. Now the Institute of Internal Auditors South Africa hosted its annual public sector forum in Johannesburg under the theme Poised for the Future. A host of internal audit executives, academics, political analysts, senior civil servants from various uh, government departments uh, attended the two day event discussing issues such as innovative leadership within a bureaucracy, auditing culture and ethics as well as the role of public sector in growing the economy. That's a role of the public sector. To discuss it further, we're now joined on the line by Dr. Claudel von Eck, who is the CEO of the Institute of Internal Auditors, South Africa. Hello and thank you very much for joining us, Claudel.
13: Thank you and thank you for having me and good afternoon to your listeners.
1: What's this forum all about? Well,
13: essentially what we do on an annual basis is to bring internal
1: auditors as
13: well as those uh, involved in governance um, together to have conversations around um, issues that affect the public sector, but in particular, our focus is to get our members and internal auditors um, to um, to look at what, where the areas of improvement are. Um, this here in particular, as you heard, the theme is poised for the future. Look at where the future is going. So when we talk about things like artificial intelligence and robotics and so forth, how do we start to position our organizations? And then, of course, within the current circumstances that we find within the country, um, we've had very deep conversations around ethics um, and how internal auditors would play a role in in, in, in creating an uh, an ethical culture within their organization, but also in particular um, encouraging internal auditors to include the auditing of culture and ethical cultures within their organization. So being able to bring to the leadership um, findings and recommendations around um, the improvement of a culture.
1: Um, You mentioned issues such as artificial intelligence. Um, How are they going to affect the future of auditing?
13: Well, what we are seeing is that artificial intelligence is certainly going to start to take over the operational level of auditing, which I think is a very good thing. Because what it will do is to free up the, the human auditor um, to start to think more about and get more involved on the strategic level. Right, so internal audit is a risk-based discipline. Right, so unlike external audit, which is primarily a financial discipline, um, internal audit looks at risk across the organization and all aspects of the organization. So you want internal audit to start to look at the more strategic issues. Um, and have it freed up so that the machines do the um, the humdrum type of work, if I can call it that, and um, start to, to add real value at strategic level for the leadership.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, now, you gave a talk on building ethical intelligence and ethical courage. Um, what does this actually mean? So for me, ethics intelligence essentially
13: means that Firstly, you have the ability to understand that ethics is much more than just about fraud and corruption. Uh, So a lot of people tend to have a very narrow view of ethics. To start to see it much broader than that. And so, for example, gender issues, um, race issues, and so forth, all have ethical implications. And if you're ethics intelligent, you have the ability to see the ethical implications in decisions and actions. So when the leadership makes decisions, to start to think about the ripple effect of that decision and where there may potentially be an impact and, in, in particular, an um, ethical implication in that impact, um, and then to be able to respond appropriately. It is your ability to see where you have ethical dilemmas and to be able to navigate through the ethical dilemmas um, and come up with a, with the best possible outcome in terms of ethics within that context.
1: Oh, would you say it was a successful meeting?
13: No, I think so. You know, I think the, of course, the proof is, is, is in the pudding. So what we want to see that those who were at the conference would go back and implement what they've learned in their workplace. That is how you measure success. Whether people have come out of the conference feeling that they've learned that they, there have been some shifts in their minds around some critical issues, the feedback that we've received so far has been very positive. Absolutely, yes.
1: All right, sure. Thank you very much. Thank you. That's Dr. Claudel von Egg, who is the CEO of the Institute of Internal Auditors South Africa. <laughs>
4: This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective,
3: Guess what?
2: You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French, and English, giving you an African perspective.
7: Hi, my name is Tandalunyan and you are listening to Channel Africa.
6: We are Channel Africa from an African perspective.
3: Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective.
1: Thank you very much for staying with Africa Digest on Channel Africa. Now, Data Science for Impact and Decision Enhancement, or D-Side, is a training program that aims to solve real-life problems using multiple technical disciplines. The Council for Scientific and Industrial Research, or CSIR, is an entity of the South African Department of Science and Technology, which is responsible for implementing the D-Side program. Carol Mathy is the acting researcher group leader of data science analytics and visualization for the Council for Scientific and Industrial Research.
14: The program is called D-SIDE for short. It was launched as a novel boot camp style program with the intention to create and sustain a student pipeline which would satisfy not only CSRs but also the DSC strategic objective of human capability development. And this program actually has three main tracks. One is the building of new human capital, people with the ability to do data science in their work on a day-to-day basis. The next one was to create a platform and infrastructure that will support activities of data scientists. And this includes software product processes and infrastructure that can be used during the training process, but also for development of data-driven products. And then the third and very important relationship is a relationship with partners in government and in business who bring projects to us that we we can expose to the students so that they can actually practice their skills on real world problems.
7: Now, why do you believe that data science promises better decision making for South Africa and more so how?
14: I think this relates to the relationship that we have fostered with the Department of Science and Technology. In the past, CSR was involved in the development of an information and communication technology or ICT research development and innovation roadmap to outline a vision and strategy for the country. order to implement technologies to benefit the country as a whole. These programs generally translate into strategic goals which are quite ambitious and in the case of the Department of Science and Technology, the objective was to create growth in the ICT sector in South Africa and this initiative together with the National Development Plan as well as the Department of Science and Technology Strategic Plan for 2015 to 2020 highlighted this as one of the important interventions.
7: So who is your target audience?
14: We have two broad audiences. The one is the parties who have potential problems that we can address through data science. These might be within government, government departments with specific information resources, or within business through the information that they have gathered through business activities in order to provide us with a bed of problems to address. The second broad audience is the tertiary students at South African education institutions.
7: Is it a group of people teaching me how to think or is it a software that's teaching me how to make better decisions?
14: The DeFi program is about taking students from existing science and technology backgrounds or even backgrounds as journalism and giving them mostly open source technology tools with which they can then a problem by analysing the data and allowing them to derive meaningful insight based on the processes that they apply to process the information and visualise the information.
7: Relying on technology has its disadvantages, so why do you see the need of using those technological
14: tools? There is a phenomena in the world of uh, digitalization In other words, most of the processes that we deal with, be it application for a new licence or just processing information, at a commercial vendor of creating information streams. And these information streams are extremely valuable. They result in a phenomenon called big data. In other words, everything that we do more and more creates a data artifact. And the insights that can be gained by processing these artifacts could be beneficial to a number of areas in our society. One area in particular that we are trying to focus on is the improvement of the public health system. If we have better knowledge about where in the public health system, users are, what information they need, what services they need, we can help government deploy services better for the improvement of public health in the country.
7: Now for our last question, how can South Africans
14: be part of this? I think the important opportunity that is presented by the D-Site program and the application of data science in general is that our students have an opportunity of embedding themselves in computer technologies, in technologies around mathematics and engineering because these skills can be used in the future to provide opportunities for job creation and to improve the lives of society in general.
1: That is the acting research group leader of data science analytics and visualization for the council for scientific and industrial research, Karel Amati, on the line uh, with um, Numbuiselo Dango. It is uh, 1742 Central African Time. You're still listening to Africa Digest on Channel Africa as we continue to give you news from an African perspective. It's info at channelafrica.co.za on email. That's info at channelafrica.co.za or channelafrica1 on Twitter.
12: I'm an actress. I'm a motivational speaker born with albinism. Um, The nurse first asked my mother... Is your husband white? My mother said, no, why are you asking me that question?
4: When I grew up, there was no publication of persons with albinism disappearing, mm. being stolen. You see, it was happening, but there was no exposure as it happening now.
2: Hi, I'm Pule Mulebazi, the presenter of the Albinism Report, a program that demystifies myths and mysticism on albinism, Highlighting Challenges and Achievements of People with Albinism. Tune into the Albinism Report on the following times. Monday, 5 past 9 in the morning to quarter to 10 Central African Time. And from 5 past 10 to quarter to 11 Central African Time. Tuesday at 5 past 2 in the morning to quarter to 3 Central African Time. The Albinism Report, an enlightened narrative with me, Bule Mulebati, on Channel Africa from an African Perspective.
1: Here's Tracy Pumgott now. She has your economic news.
15: Thank you. Another shutdown is on the cards for Zimbabwe. Some teachers have already downed tools. They've called on the government to have their salaries paid in American dollars. Last month, a shutdown which lasted three days resulted in the death of more than 12 people, 100 injured and more than 1,000 arrested. Richard Gundani, president of the Zimbabwe Teachers Association, says teachers' salaries have not been reviewed amid an economic turmoil. South African Trade Union, Kosatu will embark on a national strike in the country's nine provinces to send a message of no retrenchments and jobs for all. The Labor Federation announced this in Johannesburg following its special one-day Central Executive Committee meeting. It says workers will down tools on the 13th of February in eight provinces, with a march planned in Cape Town on the eve of the budget speech scheduled for the 19th of February. Kosatu says the strike is a legally protected one that all workers can join. Kosatu's president Zingis Walosi says the march will highlight the continuing shedding of jobs.
0: In government, in the private, in the public sector, to also focus on what we are raising here, on skilling and reskilling workers. Because if you are going to bring technology, you should know how your company you want it to perform, what kind of technology you are going to introduce and therefore do you have the skills. We should be able to do the skills audit such that no worker will lose employment but you are going to put them on skilling and reskilling to avoid retrenchments and enable them to be competitive in driving the business in ensuring that that company will also make profit such that workers and those that are unemployed will be able to get
15: employment the food and agriculture organization has launched a comprehensive publication on ways to improve food systems the latest publication comes as the FAO warns that a shift to a more holistic approach is needed on sustainability. Clayton Campanjola, chief editor of the publication and the leader of FAO's strategic program for sustainable agriculture, says many sectors need to be involved to make the shift. Campanjola explains what the publication's all about.
3: So how to increase sustainability in all the sectors of agriculture, in the crop, livestock, fisheries forestry, aquaculture, and it's a reference book. And mainly showing that when we deal with sustainability, we need an integrated approach. When we talk about sustainability, we need to consider uh, social, economic, and environmental issues. Sometimes people only look at some of those components. And then we need, of course, to integrate the production practices and what is done in the field for production and also the policy level, and also now looking at what the consumers want.
15: Russian oil producer Rosneft says Venezuela has been servicing its debts to the company on time. Oil production took center stage after the country was plunged into political turmoil, with the United States imposing sanctions on state oil company PDVSA last week. Rasneft says the principal amount of debt owed to it by PDVSA stood at just over $2 billion at the end of the fourth quarter, down from slightly over $3 billion at the end of the previous three months. The US dollar is trading at 359.95 Nigerian Naira, 10.12 Botswana Pula at 99.51 Kenyan Shillings and at 11.87 Zambian Kwacha. In BRICS currencies, one U.S. dollar will cost you 3.66 Brazilian hail, 65.56 Russian ruble, 71.61 Indian rupee, 6.77 Chinese yuan, and a 13.37 South African rand. The U.S. dollars is also trading at 76 pence to the British pound and at 87 cents to the euro. In commodities, gold is trading at $1,314 and platinum at $818 per ounce. The price of Brent crude oil is at $62.78 a barrel. For Channel Africa News, I'm Tracy Bumgard.
1: Thank you very much to Tracy 1750 Central African Time, here's Ned Dochemano with the Sports News.
3: Thank you Spomelele, a very good evening to you, all Sport fans. Starting off with football news. One of the much-anticipated events on the South African political calendar is the annual State of the Nation Address Sona, while socialites and fashionistas soon over the fashion exhibited by politicians and invited guests. Others will be looking forward to what the event is actually about, President Cyril Ramaphosa's view on the state of South Africa since he took office, as well as his plans for the country in the foreseeable future. The presidency also makes use of the opportunity to invite members of the public who have been in the forefront of their industry to attend the event. Two of sports' trending characters in recent times were added to the presidency's guest list for the 2019 sona Banyana Banyana coach as well as forward Timi Khatlana made the headlines in January this year when they were named the Confederation of African Football, CAF Coach of the Year and Player of the Year respectively. Khatlana also received the CAF Award for the Goal of the Year. The Black Satellites of Ghana opened their total under-20 Africa Cup of Nations campaign with a resounding 2-0 victory over Burkina Faso at the Stade de Maradi today. The three-time under-20 champions needed a brace on either side of half and forward Daniel Lomoti to edge West African neighbors in Niger's third-largest city, Maradi. The Black Satellites, who boast of an inviolable record of being the only African side to lift the FIFA Under-20 World Cup title, started the better in the rescheduled fixture with the front of three, Enoch Aguie, Ibram Sadiq and Daniel Lomoti. The Buginabe created the first meaningful chance of the free-flowing encounter, with the exciting Salifu Diarasuba beat his marker for pace and delivers a cross for Jibril Chaik, who headed over Nurdin's goal. The young Bukinabes continued to press the Ghanaian defence, but failed to double Nurdin, who denied Elias Dianda and Cheikh with routine saves before the half-hour mark. On to cricket news. Cricket's most prestigious trophy, the ICC Cricket World Cup trophy, continues to move around in South Africa under the leadership of International Cricket Council, ICC, and Cricket South Africa, CSA, for fans to have the feel and experience of what the global showpiece is all about. Today the trophy was making rounds in the Gauteng province, Soweto. CSA acting head of communications and media, Goketsu Khaofetukhe, has more on the trophy tour.
14: Yeah, it was, uh, it was a great experience today. You know, we the trophy headed towards the Southern Western Township. Started out at the Villagazzi Street, uh, as we started at the uh, former president Nelson Mandela, and then headed towards the Hector Peterson Memorial. And uh, as you know, we've got our regional performance center kids who were there. We also had a uh, community at large coming out to see the, the trophy that will be heading to uh, Durban and Pretoria.
3: On to tennis news. South Africa have been, draws, have been drawn to face host Luxembourg in their opening match of the Fed Cup Euro-Africa Group 2 tournament, which kicks off on Wednesday at the National Tennis Centre Aishisur al in Luxembourg. The match is scheduled to begin at 1700 Central African time. The South Africans who entered the draw unseeded, were promoted from Group 3 last year. Rene Plant, team captain, shares her thoughts on the upcoming tie.
15: We open our opening matches against Luxembourg tomorrow, the home team on Centre Court, which will be a very tough match, but um, I think the home team will also be feeling the pressure as um, they will have a lot of crowd support and a lot of expectations behind them. Um, we are really looking forward to the challenge that lies ahead and hopefully we can get um, Create an upset like we did last year against Montenegro when we played Montenegro, who were the home favourites and the um, team to beat on the very first day.
3: And finally, in Netball News. South African netball national team player Carla Pretorius says the Proteus will be confident going into the World Cup in England later this year. Their confidence stems from the fact that they did very well in recent quad series in England last month. They lost to Australia 62-45 in the first match and then beat England 48-45 in the second, and then narrowly lost their last match against New Zealand in a sudden death encounter after the two teams were level in extra time.
0: Yeah, for sure. Like, it's great for our confidence going into, into World Cup. I mean, we played against the top countries um, in preparation for World Cup, so um, we know we can compete against them, so it's really great for our confidence.
3: Thank you for choosing Channel Africa. More sports news later in the evening. This is
1: Africa Digest. It is 1756 Central African Time. Let's recap part of stories. Zimbabwe faces yet another possibility of a shutdown and opposition alliance involving Malawi's former president unravels. With that, we wrap up Africa Digest for today. From myself, Spumeli Lezondi, producer Luanda Maume, technical producer Catherine Malika and the rest of the team, thank you very much for listening to us. It is info at channelafrica.co.za on email, plus 2776 300 3327 on WhatsApp or channel Africa 1 on Twitter. We leave you with Yamore by Salif Keita and Cesare Evora.
6: mio amore veni I am Che dimmi amore me di
10: un sì si un
6: tambem
0: a viajasse-me de confiar, não era mais visão, olhar de nós criança, na brilha de inocência, e na noite se grita e a temporada talvez da mais na brandura e calmaria, nós amor também De disse luta e resistência, para sobreviver nessa tormenta. La brandure et la calmarie, nous avons j'a déjà mortes à venir jusqu'en salle. Disse l'outil d'existence,
6: par sobreviver mes torments. Je t'aime, l'amour est très diversifié, et n'est-elle à la vie de l'art, tu m'as. Bonne à desafio fille, et de m'as. Je t'aime, l'amour est très diversifié, et n'est-elle à la vie de tu m'as. Not by I believe in